Shalom, shalom, holy friends. Thank you so much for being here today, wherever you are in the world. We're glad you're here with us to learn uh, some Torah and especially Hanukkah Torah, such a joyous time of year. And we are now less than a week before the first night of Hanukkah. And we're here with a, just a wonderful educator in person uh, to with today. And we know many of you are in the room, but even more of you are on the Facebook live stream or on the podcast end. And so uh, we're going to have a more, a little bit more of a frontal presentation, but you are welcome to type questions in the chat and to save them for the end as well, if you'd like to speak them out. We are here today with Rabbanit Alyssa Thomas Newborn, who is a staff chaplain at New York Presbyterian Columbia University Irving Medical Center, where she specializes in end-of-life palliative ICU and psychiatric care. She is also the Devorah Scholar at Nativo Shalom in Teaneck, New Jersey, wonderful shul you got to check out. She received her ordination from Yeshivat Maharat and her board certification from the Shama Association of Jewish Chaplains, of which she is the current president-elect. She has a bachelor's from Brandeis University with a degree in Near Eastern and Judaic Studies and Classical Studies, Archaeology, and Ancient History, Magnum Cum Laude. From 2014 to 2022, Rabbi Nita served as a spiritual leader at B'nai David Judea Congregation in L.A., Rabbanit Alyssa has worked at Cedar sinai Medical Center, Bellevue Hospital, Grateful Palliative Care and Hospice, the Center for Jewish End-of-Life Care at Metropolitan Jewish Health System, and My Jewish Learning, and is a prolific writer and speaker. In 2017, she was chosen as one of the Forward 50, the Forward's annual list of the 40, 50 most influential, accomplished, and interesting American Jews. Rabbanit Alyssa is married to Akiva Newborn, and they live in Teaneck, New Jersey, with their awesome toddler, Ella, and their poodle, is it Bichon? Poodle Bichon? Judy. Judy! I wish Judy was here as well. Maybe she is. Um, anyways, welcome, Rabbanita Lissa, and welcome all of you, and we look forward to learning with you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here. And yes, my uh, poodle Bichon, Judy, is very close to heart, so she's in my bio. <laughs> um, I'm so grateful to originally, uh, to Eddie, to Jessica, to the whole Aesthetic team um, for having me this morning, afternoon, wherever you are. Um, I was really grateful when I was studying at Ishibat Maharat to spend some time um, interning a little bit at Ari Lissetic and getting to know the really holy social justice work that you guys do. And I'm just, it's a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do some Torah learning with you. Uh, it feels a little bit like coming home. So thank you for that. Um, so I'm going to share my screen with you guys, for those of you who are looking at a screen. Um, and I'm also going to, ooh, Okay, it's not letting me share it. I don't know why. Um, I'm also going to put it in the chat um, so that you guys are able to follow with a source sheet, um, which can also be attached if you want. Um, for some reason, it's not letting me share it. Um, let me just give me one second. You should be able to in the middle of the screen, share screen. Yeah, it's just, it's doing the thing where it says like the, it says I can share, but it doesn't have the, the page open. Um, so what I might do just to, so that we don't spend time on that is teach over the texts. Um, I put it in the chat. So anyone who is looking at a screen, feel free to click on the link um, and you'll be able to follow along on your computer with me as well. Um, we are going to learn, as originally said, about Hanukkah. So Hanukkah is uh, probably one of the most well-known Jewish holidays. Um, the question of my Hanukkah, um, what is Hanukkah? Why do we learn about 
Hanukkah? What do we do on Hanukkah? Uh, what exactly is Hanukkah? Is a famous question that Hazal, that our rabbis ask. Um, and the retelling of Hanukkah, the story itself, uh, is a central part of the rabbinic explanation for why we do what we do um, and how we're supposed to internalize spiritually, psychologically, ethically, what, whether it's the miracle of oil, whether it's the, um, the experience of um, modernity uh, being you know, overpowered by tradition, um, the, just the general sense of joy and light in darkness. It's beautiful imagery and perfect for this time of year um, that, that is connected to Hanukkah. Um, so my Hanukkah is, is one of the texts that we're going to learn from the outset. We're going to just spend a little bit of time um, exploring, one, how do we practically observe Hanukkah today? And two, what is the miracle of Hanukkah? Um, most of you may be very familiar with these concepts, so we're going to go through them uh, just so we're all on the same page. Um, and then we're going to really go in a, a very deep direction of exploring the question my Hanukkah to each of us personally. So saying, what is Hanukkah for me this year? Why do I do Hanukkah? Um, what does the miracle mean to me specifically? Uh, we're going to look at some rabbinic texts, Hasidic texts that uh, give us direction and how to really apply this in our own spiritual work. Um, so the first text that we're going to talk about is from Masechet Shabbat. Uh, 21b, this is probably the most famous text, which is where the question my Hanukkah is located. So the rabbis teach that on the 25th of Kislev, we uh, celebrate eight days of Hanukkah. And on those days specifically, and it's interesting that this from the outset is how we define Hanukkah, is that we, on those days, we don't eulogize and we don't fast, um, which, you know, communicates right away that these are days of the year that are filled with joy. Um, and we know when we go to shul that there are certain things that are excluded. Um, and we also know that there are certain things that are added. But the fact that we begin by saying what we don't do, I think, is interesting from the outset. And this is because um, Hashemonaim entered into the temple, the Greeks entered into the temple, they uh, they they made impure all of the, the oil that would normally have been used in the sacrifices. Um, and when uh, the the um uh, sorry, the Yevanim went into the temple. Cheshmonaim became strong and defeated them. Um, so the, the Yevanim, the, the Greeks went into the temple. They destroyed everything and made everything impure. The Cheshmonaim um, then went and uh, checked to go look for a cruise of oil, a Pach Shemen. Um, there was only one that was left. And again, this is familiar to all of us with this, the seal of the Kohen Gadol. Um, and there really was just enough for one day. But it was able to, uh, there was a miracle, Nasebo uh, Nes, uh, there was a, a miracle that happened and eight days of light came from this, this one pack of oil. Um, and then in the, in the years to come following, afterwards, um, we, we established, our, our rabbis established that going forward, um, we were going to observe these days as Yamin Tovim, their joys of, their days of joy, joy days of, um, of happiness and gladness, of halal and hoda'a, of, of praise and thanksgiving. Um, so right away, this is very much so about um, the, the, the miracle as we know it of the, the combination of um, uh, the combination of uh, the light um, lasting and the uh, the fact that there was a, a battle going on with the Greeks. Um, and the, the concept of it being something that's a time of joy and gladness uh, all adds up based on this mace. The, the question that Maharal asks of Prague um, in Chirushe Agadot, which is the next text on your page, is that you might have said, um, you know, we could have just made this about the oil. The, the, the halal and hoda'ah could have just been about the oil itself. Um, that was, you know, the, the oil is really just about 
fulfilling a mitzvah, um, the, 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 the mitzvah within the temple itself, um, why would it really be about this oil? Meaning, could we actually be required to do halal, to, to give hodah on the oil? Um, or really, should there be more going on here? Because if you think about an alhanis, we don't even mention the narrow, we don't mention the candles. So what is the oil truly enough, is the question. Um, why is that the thing that's setting off this whole holiday of eight days um, that we don't eulogize, that we don't fast, et cetera? So the answer that Maharal gives is that Hanukkah really isn't about the oil. It's not about this uh, this beautiful story that we see in Masechet Shabbos. It's not about the you know the stories that you get from PJ Library and all those wonderful places where it's really this focus on oil. Um, rather, it's about the victory of the Cheshmonaim over the Yemanim, the 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 Cheshmonaim over the Greeks. Um, and it's it's this, this story of uh, the the battle itself, the um, the fact that you know the traditional overpowered the modern that um, we were able to uh, to take back our temple in that way. Um, but says Maharal, this was not an obvious thing. This wasn't this wasn't absolutely clear to everyone. Um, and so the the that that it was something that was coming directly from God as a miracle because we could say, well, you know, maybe we were just, you know, our our uh, our warriors were really strong and we, you know, we were we uh, made ourselves strong against our enemies. Um, and that wasn't that wasn't from God. That was just something that people did. Um, so recognizing that there was truly a nace here, that it was truly a miracle happening is something that um, wasn't so obvious. If you just think historically, not every single moment where we overpower our enemies, do we think, ah, that was from Hashem, though the message here is that clearly it is. Um, and so, says Maharal, uh, the miracle was done in connection, uh, therefore the, the miracle was done through these candles of the menorah so that everyone should know that this was a nace that there was this nace that happened as a military victory. Um, so it's, it's almost like we didn't really understand that, uh, that God's hand was in our lives in this moment of exile. It wouldn't be so obvious for everyone to look at this and say this was a, a nace. Um, so as a result, the you know our tradition perhaps even Hashem created this space um, where the the narrow to the candles are directly connected and attached to uh, the story of military victory. Um, so then you know going back to our question of of what my Hanukkah what is Hanukkah why are we doing it clearly in this interpretation it's not really about the candles the candles are sort of a placeholder for how we then observe um, this reference to God's hand in our lives through this military victory. Um, the, the practical application of Hanukkah though, we don't, you know, we all know, as you're probably thinking this, it's not really, um, observed in a way where we think about the military victory. We, you know, we sing the songs, we, um, we know the history, but the way that we actually practice this holiday, like we don't go out and practice some sort of battle or put on like certain armor. I, however, maybe you would think that we could create a holiday around this. Um, that, that's not what we do. Uh, instead, um, the the way that we observe Hanukkah is about the the narrowed. It is about um, the the Hanukkah. Um, so this, in the the next text that we have, is uh, an extension of our initial text of Masechet Shabbos in the Gemara in twenty one B, where Chazal teach that the the mitzvah of Hanukkah specifically is ner ish ubeto. It's uh, a candle, one light for a, a, a man and his household. So, you know, if you're really just going to keep Hanukkah, the, the, the way that you would do it is um, one 
candle for one person and, and for his household. Um, for those who are Mahadran, those who really want to beautify it, uh, we light a candle uh, for each member of the house of the household. Um, you know, for that for every person in the household, there's an additional candle depending on how many people live there. Um, but the Mahadran, Minna Mahadran, the, the like the most beautifying group of people um, for this. Uh, for this mitzvah are going to do Hanukkah the way that we celebrate it. So um, this, there's a, a machloket, there's a, a dispute between Beit Shammai um, and Beit Hillel on this, uh, where Beit Shammai says that the way that we, uh, that we light the menorah is um, the, the first day all eight lights are, are lit and then we take away with each night. So mikan um, elech. Um, so from, from there that we, 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 we take away each one with the days that follow. So you eight on the first night, seven on the second night, et cetera. Um, but Beit Hillel says that it's the opposite, which is what we do. So the first day you light one candle, the second day, um, you, you, as it goes on, you end up adding another candle, which again, this is familiar to us because this is how we celebrate Hanukkah. Um, Ula said that there was a, uh, disagreement between two Amoraim, Amoraim in the West, um, Rabbi Yossi Bar Avin and Rabbi Yossi Bar Zavida. One of them said that the reason Beit Shammai, um, uh, the reason of Beit Shammai is that it shall correspond to the days that are still to come. And the, the, that Beit Hillel is corresponding to the days that are gone, which is really like a calculation of the time. Um, but the other said that Beit Shammai is about the bulls of the festival, referring to Sukkot, um, and, and just the, the reaching back into tradition of how we actually indicate um, the 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 starting with a lot and getting less and less and less um, with the sacrifices that were given. Um, whereas Beit Hillel is about this concept of Malin Bakodesh Ve'en Moridin, which is a beautiful um, spiritual, ethical, psychological concept that we're always supposed to be increasing in holiness, not decreasing. Um, which, you know, if, if we think about, you know, the, the message of Uriel Tzedek and all the fantastic work that um, this organization does in trying to advocate and make our world more holy, more full, um, and more connected and more just. The, the idea that we're always supposed to be going up in holiness and not taking away informs so much of our action. So that that's a, um, a concept that's embedded into our practice of Hanukkah. So far, what we've discussed is the Hanukkah basics. Um, this, you know, the, the fact that Hanukkah is connected both to the miracle of the oil, it's connected to a military victory, and there's a dispute. You can see you've got a little taste of in our tradition as to which is more important. Um, but practically, we know that the way that we truly observe Hanukkah is about the candles, um, and connected to it is uh, the, connected to it is the, um, the idea of um, building up holiness or being aware in the days that have come or gone, um, the sort of tracking of how many, how many days of the holiday itself have happened. So, um, you know, it could be that, that as we light the menorah, we're thinking about, um, the, you know, the, the actual days in the calendar of Hanukkah, as well as like the messianic days to come. Um, or it could really be that this is a this is a, an instruction ethically about um, how we're supposed to increase in sanctity and not reduce in sanctity. Um, so I know there was a question about that there uh, in the chat about that. Um, so so th this is sort of the the basics of Hanukkah. What I want us to do now um, is take some time to delve into an unexpected direction that the Gemara and Masechet Shabbat goes in when talking about Hanukkah. 
So, you know, there's a, a practice in our tradition of, um, of really valuing every single word in the Torah and that, you know, every single word counts and matters. Every single person counts and matters. I think even in interactions relationally, there's a very big ethical message there too, that everything we do, everything we say, everything we think matters and has an impact. Um, and I think in the, in the Gemara, that's the case too, when you read our oral tradition, um, that the words that are there uh, and the order they come in are intentional. Um, and sometimes we get cases where, um, you know, something's being quoted and it's being quoted by one person and then it seems to go off topic, but it's really just because we're in an oral tradition that's quoting, you know, by memory, um, the same person in a, a couple different places. Um, and other times the juxtaposition of the topics has tremendous meaning as well. So again, we're in Masechet Shabbat 21b to 22a. Uh, and this is a text where we see a juxtaposition of two concepts um, that uh, really are not expected to be connected. Um, but I think I would argue, and I think uh, in some of the texts we're gonna look at going on, um, going forward, uh, have tremendous meaning that we can apply to our daily lives, especially in the days to come as we observe Hanukkah. Um, so the text is Rav Kahana said, Rav Natan Barmiyomi expounded on Rabbi Tanklum's name. So this is in Rabbi Tanklum's name. So the name of Rabbi Tanklum, and this is important because he's the person that we're going to be focusing on. Um, so the, the first teaching is that um, a, Hanukkah, a Hanukkah that is placed above um, 20 amot, that 20 cubits from the ground, um, that, that's an unfit menorah. It's psula, that, that you're, you're not able to fulfill the mitzvah that way. Um, and this is just like a sukkah. Uh, where, you know, the similar application is with this 20 amu, um, with it says a cross beam over the entrance of an alley. Rav Kahana also said, Rav Natan Bar Miyomi expounded in Rabbi Tanklum's name, so this is all coming from Rabbi Tanklum. Why is it written, and this is with regard to, um, to the story of Yosef, that the the uh, the boar was rake einbo mayim that the the pit that Yosef was thrown into was empty and there was no water in it. So why have that written at all? It's very repetitive. Again, every word in the Torah has some sort of meaning. So to say the pit was empty, obviously there was no water in it. Why would you need to say there was no water in it? Um, the 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 teaching is that the pit was empty um, and there's no water in it. Uh, is emphasizing first that it's empty, and then the fact that there was no water was uh, was also um, there were snakes and scorpions in it. So this is you know midrashic. This is something that um, you've also probably heard of in the context of, of Yosef's story. Uh, but Rabbi said the Hanukkah lamp should be placed within the handbreadth nearest the door. Um, so Amar Rabbi, this is just fluent straight back into near Hanukkah. Uh, that right back into the, the candles are lit and there have to, they have to be uh, within a certain distance uh, by the door. And this is for pure Sume Nisa for publicizing the miracle, which is another way in which we celebrate Hanukkah. So the going back to what I had said about, you know, every word counts and matters. Um, clearly, as we're reading this, it could come off as totally out of nowhere, like stream of consciousness. Oh, does that really make any sense? Um, but the, the, you know, the Torah Tamima, uh, teaches that the juxtaposition of these two statements of Rabbi Tanchum show that they're really, it's all, it's all connected. So um, the, just as a person's eye can't see more than 20 amot away for a menorah um, in terms of height, so too you can't see um, to the bottom of the pit uh, in Yosef's story below 20 amot. So 20 amot high is too high to see, 20 amot low is too too low to see. Um, and so when Yosef's brothers threw him in, they didn't see that 
didn't realize that there were snakes and scorpions in it in the bottom because they couldn't, they didn't know that it was there. Um, you know, thereby showing that the, the concept of that, that pasuk, that verse having, um, you know, empty, but also there's no water uh, was there for a reason as well. So, you know, reading this text in the Masechet Shabbat, we could say, you know, Hanukkah and Sukkot get juxtaposed here um, and Yosef gets thrown in because it's really all about how, what constitutes a distance that you can't see beyond that's, that, you know, what is far enough. Um, so, so that's one way of explaining this. Um, another commentary, a commentator, um, says that this, this uh, rake, the Aimbo Mayim, that's empty and there's no water in it, uh, gets it a very different message. Um, so if you're following in the source sheet, this is Mesha Chochma on the bottom of page two. The pit was empty. There's no water in it. A person who sees a place, um, um, the, the, a person who sees a place where a miracle happened to him or her, um, that person should make a, a blessing, should make a bracha, uh, thanking God for causing a miracle to happen to them in that place. Um, and so the, the explanation of Abu Jurham is that this blessing is specifically for something that defied nature. So something that's neged hateva. Um, the, whenever you're in a situation where you've encountered a miracle, what is a miracle? Something that's not part of the natural world, it defies nature. That's when you would say this bracha. Um, and so the answer is, well, then what was the conversation continues, but is it not recited over the Hanukkah candles? Um, this is because a miracle was made with the Pach of Shemin, the cruise of oil, which also defied nature. Um, so the, the, the fact that, um, uh, the, the oil itself extended longer, and this is again, the miracle that defies nature, um, the, the victory over Antiochus, um, uh, that we talked about before, um, that, that, is, that's a, you know, that's one message of this, of the story, but the, the crucifoil is, is a piece that defies nature. So very obviously a miracle. And so we should again, say a blessing that a miracle happened to us there. Um, so the, to continue the essence of the miracle is the victory over Antiochus and that Israel reigned afterward for 200 years. That would be in alignment with Maharal's explanation as well, that really this is all about, um, uh, the victory over the Greeks. Um, and in order to remember this, we need to light the candles uh, for which a mere look should suffice. Even looking at the candles reminds us of that miracle, uh, that there was this victory. But to teach about the cruise of oil specifically requires that the eye sees it within 20 amot. Again, that's the, the distance of how you can actually see something. Um, and this is referenced in, uh, in Mishnah Mido, where there's a, a, a reference to the um, the, uh, the Heichal to the sanctuary, where the entrance of the sanctuary was also 20 amot high. That's a, um, a reference to a sort of standard measurement of how you can see something. And we even see it in, in, the, um, in the dimensions of the, the, um, the Heichal. Um, we learn in the Midrash from Rabbi Tan Chuma that when Yosef returned to bury his father, he saw the same pit that he had been thrown into. And so he had the intention of making this blessing, thanking God, uh, for creating a miracle in this place. So at this point, you might be saying, like, how is this all connected? Um, it's a little bit confusing. So the the argument made by Meshachochma up until up until now um, is that whenever a person's in a place where a miracle has happened to them, that person should should bless God for having made that miracle. Um, the, what was the miracle that happened with Hanukkah? It was that there was this victory over the Greeks. We know that, and that the menorah is the 
seeing the lights is what reminds us of that. The way that we can even see something and recognize it is at the distance, it has to be within 20 MO. Um, so we've defined this much, but the connection with Yosef is that when Yosef saw the pit later on in his life, when he passed by that pit, when he was going to go bury his father after Yaakov died, he then said that same blessing. So this is a, adding a different dimension into our conversation. The essence of the miracle was that he was lifted from the pit and God caused him become, to become the minister over all of Egypt. So the, the fact that Yosef, it's not just that there were scorpions you know, inside of the pit and that he wasn't killed by them. It was that he was lifted up from it so high that he became, um, you know, he's at the very height of power in Egypt. Uh, and this is a, a nace. This is a miracle that comes from God. Um, it's not just the, the, you know, he wasn't attacked by scorpions, snakes. It's that um, he, you know, God's hand was seen in how he ministered over all of Egypt. Um, so the, the text continues, but doesn't this blessing require that it be said over a miracle that defied nature? Meaning, should I really be saying a blessing? Should I really be saying this bracha, thanking God for a miracle? Um, in, in Yosef's case, should he really be doing that? Uh, when it was, it was really, it's, is it that, does it define nature that he became, you know, he rose up in power? Couldn't that just be something that happened because of who he was and what he did? Similarly, couldn't we have just won a military battle? Is it really, is God's hand really a part of this? Um, and the answer, uh, you know, as you can expect, um, is uh, that the, the essence of the miracle was that he was lifted from the pit and God caused him to become the minister over all of Egypt. Um, the Rabbi Tanhum says that snakes and scorpions were in the pit, which proves that the miracle did defy the nature of the world since he should have been killed by them. And so Yosef made the blessing. So that's again, how the, the scorpions and snakes come back into it because it defy nature that he wasn't killed. Um, the, all of this, you know, I know it's going in a lot of directions. It's a lot, of, a lot to hold in our mind. Um, but all of this is, is emphasizing that these two statements of Rabbi Tanhum are juxtaposed. Rabbi Tanhum is referred to as Rabbi Tanhuma in the Midrash. Um, and Rabbi Tanhuma is the one who made this comment about when Yosef returned to bury his father, that he saw the pit he was thrown into and wanted to make a bracha. And this is all a way of connecting um, that to teach that on Hanukkah and for Yosef, the miracle was caused by divine providence, victory, kingship. The blessing here was really um, that it was on the pits because the snakes didn't injure him and then also on the crucible oil. So the, the, the piece that I want us to take away from this is that um, Rabbi Tanhum, also referred to as Rabbi Tanhuma, um, is tying together all of these disparate pieces that uh, reference to the, um, to the 20 amot, the distance at which you can see something, as well as reference to um, the, the story of Yosef and the pit and making a bracha on something, on a place where nature has been defied and God protected us and put God's hand into our lives directly. Um, all of this is connected and the text in the Gemara is tying intentionally um, the story of Yosef directly with Hanukkah because these are both moments where God's hand was in our lives, nature was defied, and as a result, we see a miracle. The, the point I think of all of this is that God is very present in whether it's the story of Yosef or it's the story of Hanukkah. God cares, God is invested, God steps in, and God does so in ways that can sometimes seem like they're not miracles. It could be, you know, the... the um, 
the scorpions. It could be um, the the military victory. It could be uh, the fact that you know Yosef was able to be successful in his career and, and move up and up and up um, through his dreams. But the the fact that in all of those cases, the emphasis is that God was really the one doing this, I think is a huge message of Hanukkah that we're supposed to stop and say, where is God's hand? Where is where is there a nace happening in my life um, that I'm not noticing? And we're going to end with a text from Likutei Halachot, um, which is, Likutei Halachot is a uh, amazing work from um, Reb Nassim of Breslov. Reb Nassim was uh, the primary student of Reb Nachman of Breslov. Um, and it's this amazing text that's an explanation on the spiritual meaning behind the, the halachot in the Shulchan Aruch. Um, and in the context of Hanukkah, uh, he's commenting on that uh, the fact that Hanukkah is a time of, it's a Zman Tfila Vehoda, um, it's a time of, of prayer and praise and thanks, gratitude to God. Um, and of course, as I was just saying, um, it makes sense intuitively that if God gave us a miracle, um, whether it's an obvious miracle or a miracle that could seem like it's within the, the bounds of nature or not, um, that, that this is coming from God and that we need to turn to God and pray and thank God. And um, that's actually how we observe Hanukkah. So the, you know, I think it's very easy for Hanukkah to be a holiday that we think becomes about setting up our Hanukkah, putting it in the window, lighting the menorah, maybe even thinking about the military victory. Um, that it, This is clearly part of our tradition and everything that is said, but the Hanukkah is also a time of year when we we have a great impact on our the text of our davening and our liturgy um that that we we sing praise to god there's text that's added halal and that we um we don't eulogize as i said from the very beginning we we don't fast there's the some of the biggest impact and um and observance of hanukkah is actually in our daily davening which you know if, if you're if you're going to daily minion you see that very clearly um that our our that is one of the primary areas where the holiday is observed. It's, it's not relegated just to the evening when the sun sets to come home quickly. It's, it's a part of from the very beginning of the day to the end of the day, changing our dominating so that we're more aware and thanking God for his role in our lives, including in ways that may not seem so miraculous. So the text in Likote Alacho um, goes like this. Uh, Hanukkah is a Zaman's fila. It's a time of prayer, thanks to God. Um, as it said, we know, we know in the, the Amidah, we say that, um, that we fixed, uh, that we, uh, we have these eight days of Hanukkah that are fixed to praise, to give thanks and to praise. Um, and, and this is because God performed, he seemed to leave really amazing, huge, profound miracles, um, on, upon which we say Al-Hanisim. Um, so, you know, we add Al-Hanisim into our davening. Uh, we add it into, um, you know, every part of our day, our benching. We add it, it, the, the text is what transforms this day and acknowledges and fulfills the sense of praise and gratitude. For it is known that the miracle of Hanukkah and all miracles done at any point in time uh, is really about it when evil power gain, gains strength to destroy God's Torah and cause Israel to transgress against the laws of God's will. Um, for any person or time period when the evil, the inclination, the sitra ahra is strengthened and expanded within a person to the point where he wants to nullify and prevent a person from serving God, God forbid. 
he says. Um, so the, the time when a miracle happens is when there's evil. It's when there's um, the capacity or desire to transgress, to sin, to cause other people to become more distanced from Torah. When our sitra achra, our, our, um, our, you know, our, our yetzer hara, the part of us that um, is, is not only a negative influence or a temptation, um, but, but also the part of us that's really um, uh, disconnected. Even I think we could go so far as to say um, really, really broken, really feeling abandoned, feeling um, uh, just in the midst of despair. When, when that part of ourselves feels so far removed from spirituality, from God, from community, in that moment, the miracle is God stepping into that space and our ability to respond to it. But it's specifically the starting point is that place of despair. It's the pit, right? It's, it's Yosef in the board. It's Yosef in the pit. It's, um, it's, you know, our, our, the Hashemarim stepping into the Beit HaMikdash and seeing that there's destruction. And, and the, the fact that we, we have no, that we're hopeless and that makes sense to be hopeless. Um, it, that is the place where Al-Hanisim comes in, where, where reference to miracle comes in. Um, then there is no other help or strategy to save himself other than the truth. Um, so this is Shum Eitzah. There's no, there's no help that can come to a person in that kind of uh, despair and darkness and temptation other than only through the truth. This is, this is the aspect of what the candle or the light of Hanukkah is all about. It's the or ha'emet. It's this, um, this, this light of truth that comes from God. Um, and, um, and through tapping into this light of truth, um, we're able to go through and come out from darkness and be able to pray. That is the miracle, is according to Likutei Halachos. Um, we leave the darkness and we pray. This is the attribute. This is the Bechina uh, Yimei Hanukkah. This is the days of Hanukkah as when it says that, you know, it's part of our tradition, that we're supposed to give thanks and praise. Um, so I wrote here at the bottom of the page for those following, with these texts in mind, what do you think is the overarching message of Hanukkah? So to recap, um, so far we've talked about Hanukkah as uh, a time where we celebrate military victory, um, where tradition overpowers modernity, where there's a light that lasts eight days, or, that comes from oil to last eight days, um, that we're able to sort of pick ourselves up from the destruction and come through it. Um, and that, that it's also, it's, it's somehow nature being overpowered um, through God's hand in our lives, something that maybe is more obvious, something that's less obvious, um, or it's something, you know, or and, because it can be all of it, um, it's, it's a, a day when the, or eight days when we acknowledge um, what it is to go from tremendous darkness, despair, disconnection, sin, spiritual malaise, going from that and somehow finding truth and connection such that we're able to pray. Um, I think of, I think of, uh, patients that I see in the hospital or congregants that I've had, um, also myself and my family members, when we found ourselves, um, 
in really dark moments where, you know, the last thing that might seem obvious or that we want to do um, is to open up a C-door. Last thing that we want to do is to, um, you know, to show up in a community and celebrate a holiday or, um, or talk to God. Sometimes, you know, where a person can be in such a low place that, you know, God's not part of the conversation. Um, and I think that, that Hanukkah, um, you know, psychologically and ethically, uh, is a time where we're supposed to stop and acknowledge those moments in our lives and acknowledge that other people can feel that kind of, um, disconnection as well and ask ourselves how we can create a miracle, how we can imitate God, um, and how, how we can, uh, increase in Kedusha, that we can create more holiness in our world. Um, I think, you know, going back to one of the most beautiful things that comes out of Ari Lutzedek, uh, this, you know, this organization is, you know, for personally, um, it's, it's very much so committed to stepping into those dark places and not closing our eyes in where they exist in society and ourselves in the Jewish community. Um, and it's not very often, I think, that we we think that the place, the address we turn to um, when we're feeling heartbroken or that there's injustice um, is to prayer and thanks to God. Um, and Hanukkah is, you know, I would argue, uh, especially leading, leaning on Hanukkah um, is the time of year when we, we, we're not celebrating Hagim, we're not you know, we don't have a machzor. There's not like a ton of words that you have to say in the page of the book. You know, it's, it's not a liturgy heavy time. Um, but it's maybe because of that, that it's a time where we can truly access opening up the tefillot that do exist um, and have our prayers be prompted from the page um, in a way that we, we, can, we can create the light and the darkness with our own words. I've always loved that um, that tefillah, you know, even according to Chazal, it's the 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 sidor that we hold um, and the master that we hold. Um, it's not supposed to be words that we mumble and that we make sure to say every word because every we you know we always have to say every single word in every page um, without really thinking about what they mean. the The words on the page are supposed to be like a gateway into finding the words of ourselves into opening our hearts to, um, to tefillah that, that's raw and real and um, even pained and also joyous, which is just like the breadth of the human experience. Uh, and to think about Hanukkah as a time where we deepen our prayer to recognizing the miracles in our lives, not just when things are really good, but specifically when we're in that level of, um, of deep sitra akhra, deep um disconnection feeling that there's you know there's shoemates that there's no help there's nothing there's there's nothing for us and you know we're feeling totally alone or isolated that's the place um where the greatest to feel it can happen and where the greatest miracles reside um i i you know i personally uh i can think of moments in my life where that has been the case for Hashem or it has been the case where i felt god in those places and i can also think of times where it was hard for me to see that you know, where it, it just, it, it was, it wasn't until I looked back that I really saw it. Um, and maybe that's something that resonates with you. Uh, and Hanukkah sort of requires that we begin to use our spiritual muscles of learning how to recognize it in the moment, not just, um, not just when we're looking back. 
Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to pause in just a moment and take some questions. Um, I, I'm, I, before I take questions, I just want to throw out for, you know, those of you who are listening as well, um, and maybe aren't able to ask a question right now, um, to think for yourself about that original question, my Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah? Um, practically, what do you want Hanukkah to be this year for you? Are you going to um, create more light and more holiness? Are you going to access a really dark and deep place in your davening that you want to find gratitude in? Um, what what is Hanukkah? The you know which is connected to the word chinuch, like education. What what do you what do you want to learn from Hanukkah in your own spiritual life, and how do you want to apply it? in bringing light into the darkness a very oft used image and metaphor um but but very apt in terms of the certainly the work that Ariel Zedek does love this um did I cut you off and I was stopping <laughs> I love that I love that thank you Amen. um so you know I, I I have so many things I want to ask you but I'm going to take take just one question before I open it up to others you have expertise in so many uh, different areas. And one of those areas, not only of expertise, but of experience in end of life care. How, how do you, th so this message of resiliency, of hope in a future, of faith in a future, of uh, bringing light to dark spaces, how do you think of that message differently when someone is at an end of life um, time, um, which feels, uh, you know, and, you know, I, um, I don't think I'm alone to think that it would be much, it would much incredibly harder for me to stomach the notion that there wasn't a Jewish people in the future than there wasn't a me in the future, right? The notion that I'm going to die, I can get, a, I can get my head around. The notion that Jewish people are, I, I can't accept that. And so like, how did we have a kind of a collective resiliency around times when we thought we wouldn't make it? And and is that in any way connected to the individual experience of of near death in some sense? That's kind of a couple of questions combined. Take whatever you want. I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I, I, I you know our tradition teaches that the the shechina God's presence is more present at the bed of someone who is sick, possibly than anywhere else in the world. Uh, and I one of the things that I love about um, the spiritual care work in the hospital uh, is that we get to enter into that kodesh kodeshim of people's lives and hearts and um and people are willing to be really really vulnerable in those spaces often um and so i feel privileged that there's been times as you've said where um i've sort of i've glimpsed that resilience in the space where you know you would think that there wouldn't be like where in mine like why you know there's 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 no um it's all, it seems contrary uh and i'm thinking of you know <laughs> In particular, uh, I had this conversation with some um, some hospital residents last week, um, but I think that it, you know it's come up with uh, with with parents and patients, and again myself um, over the years that sometimes someone will say that they're really holding out for a miracle, you know, that a loved one is um, is dying, and like we just need a miracle. Come pray with us for a miracle, um, and the question of what a miracle is for most people is like, so what would a miracle look like? It would be, you know, they get better and walk out of the hospital and everything's normal. Um, but sometimes I've asked the question of, you know, what, what, when someone says I want a miracle, like, what would a miracle look like? What, what is a miracle? My Hanukkah. Um, and the answer can be, I just want to see them open their eyes. 
or I just want to have all of our family together to say goodbye. Um, or I just, I want to, I want to hear their voice one more time or feel embraced by them. Um, and even those things sometimes aren't possible, but sometimes they are. And that's, there's a miracle in just being able to get that. And it's way, you know, we expect something totally different, but it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just being able to say that, like, I, I may not get to see my lungs when I open their eyes again. And that's absolutely devastating. And it's, you know, it makes me feel broken and immovable. Um, but also I, I tapped into that memory. I tapped into their light and their life and their beauty. Um, and it's like, there was a miracle for a moment in the darkness, just seeing that. Um, so I, I do think that there's tremendous resilience at the end of life. Um, I think also that uh, my, so my dad passed away in June this year. So I'm currently in a bailout. Um, and I had the real bracha of being with him when he died and being with him um, leading up to it. Uh, and he had what, you know, is described as a good death. We, we think about, there's much discussion about what is a good death. Um, he had his loved ones around him. He was able to say goodbye. Um, he died as I sang Shema. It was just like the most, you know, it's incredibly rare experience, but also those, those miracles do exist. Um, so as much as I am still very much so in grief and wish that he was here and feel heartbroken when I see my, my daughter look at pictures of him, um, I also, I see the miracles in the spaces where maybe they're not so obvious. Thank you. Hi, Aglaia, you want to jump in? Thank you so much. Okay, I'm really sorry if this comes off as pretty self-indulgent though, but you asked if this um, resonates with anyone. Um, I really can't get into the long story that went with, you know, like went with this situation though, but um, over a year ago, I wrote this to my friend and I'll just read the part of the message that's relevant. Okay, so I was telling, reading the Torah was the only map for me to get to the bottom of that, okay? All I could do was pray and pay attention. Before the Torah, praying meant to me that I was going to give up. However, God's plan had been accomplished. The Torah had changed me, and I couldn't just see praying as giving up ever again. The Torah had changed my mind to know that praying is the only solution you ever get, even if you don't realize it. And so when you asked if that resonated with someone, I got chills because it really, I was in that place after something had happened. But before, you know, I mean, when I thought religion was the opiate of the masses, and that's how I felt about it, though. And I had a very toxic idea of, you know, God and the God that religion was presenting to people. Before that happened, I was not. But then after I started like saying, okay, well, now I'm going to study and I'm actually going to learn something from religion and everything, though. And so when I kind of think about Hanukkah um, and everything that she said about Hanukkah just gave me chills and everything, though. But um, one thing though is that I had actually gone to another presentation when they said, you can eulogize scholars during Hanukkah. And so also the part when you're talking about people who give light, who bring light to others and, you know, keep, you know, they're, they are the miracle. They are presenting the miracle. Um, I mean, now take it though, scholars, I'm not exactly too big on scholars because, well, technically I'm supposed to be one myself and so I'm not too into them. But the thing is, is that, um, 
and each, like, I guess in our own way, each one of us is a miracle and is a scholar and brings that to everyone. So you, you just gave me chills. That's all. You gave me chills. That was really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, 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 you know, prayer is sometimes the only answer we have and that, you know, we, we can each be, we can each be a source of light to each other. So thank you for being that source of light to us as well. I really appreciate what you shared. Any other questions or thoughts? Thank you so much. Oh, Eddie, your audio is not coming in clear. Sorry. No, we can't hear you. Okay, so I, I guess, I guess we'll need to pause here. Um, uh, are there any questions in the in the live stream? Okay, wonderful. Uh, Rabanita, Alyssa, thank you so much for this uh, this beautiful Torah you shared with us today. And uh, it was wonderful to learn from you. And we wish everyone a Hanukkah Sameach. Do you want to share any cl closing thoughts? I, I just want to thank you for giving me the chance to learn Torah. And I, uh, I, I'm sorry that the, you know, the store sheet didn't show up, um, but feel free to, to circulate it. And uh, I just hope that when we each ask ourselves my Hanukkah this year, um, that we get a really personal answer, uh, not just one that comes from the tradition, but one that's inspired by it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you.